Never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by. When you're in love, my how they fly. Oh, blue skies, smiling at me. Irving Berlin. Nothing but blue skies do I see. Discussing at work. everyone and welcome to discussing trek a star trek podcast an unofficial podcast about the cbs all access series star trek discovery star trek picard all of them today we're going to be talking about star trek picard episode one remembrance like always i'm your host clarence and i'm joined by my fellow co-host slash trekkies starting with none other than a who storian <laughs> i don't know if he's the first doctor or not the who story himself cal jones how you doing man Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I have a week where I am seeing brand new Picard, brand new Doctor Who. I don't think I can get any better. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. Some good, good, good Doctor Who this week. Oh, man. As well as, man, Picard, uh, which I found, you know, we'll get into it. But, you know, uh, spoilers. Um, I thought it was excellent. But also on the podcast, I'm going to go down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi and talk to the Stargate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I am doing great. And once again, I am pleased to be here. Awesome sauce. Once again, glad to have you on, sir. And also with you there, we have the Trek historian himself, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, dude? Man, I am awesome. Very awesome. I am glad to have seen the first episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm ready to talk about it and get you guys views on it. But other than that, man, it's a great day in the in the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So we want to thank you guys who are listening on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And we just ask that you go and give us a um, like, a review, five stars, whatever you can on the podcasting platform of your choice. We really appreciate you for listening. And yeah, thanks for being along for this ride. All right, guys, we won't belabor it, but before we get to the actual review, we just have just a small bit of news. So Picard was making the rounds on the press junket for the new Star Trek Picard series. I said Picard. Patrick Stewart was making the rounds. (laughs) (laughs) And he uh, was on Whoopi Goldberg's show. What what, is it? The View? The View. Yeah, The View. The View. uh, And he gave out a certain invitation. So basically... Uh, Patrick Stewart was on The View, and they were, of course, interviewing him about Picard. And he extends to Whoopi Goldberg an invitation on behalf of all the cast and crew to join season two of Picard, of course, returning as Guinan. And it was anyone that's seen it, you can just go to the Views website or, you know, look up View on Facebook. You'll see it. Um, she was speechless and she got choked up. And it was a cool, cool back and forth between the two of them. So highly recommend you see that. It'll give you all the right fields and all the good places. So it was awesome. Awesome. Totally awesome. Man, that makes it worth watching just <laughs> that alone. Yes, man. Uh, and, and, you know, Whoopi, when she originally came on the show, she was a huge fan of Star Trek, uh, Michelle Nichols. And she, uh, she asked, uh, Gene to be on the show, Gene Roddenberry. So I suggest going and listening to the Whoopi Goldberg episode of 
David Tennant does a podcast. Really good episode. And she talks about her Star Trek experience there. Uh, definitely check that out. But I mean, other than that, I, I really don't have anything else. Are we ready to just go ahead and dive into this brand new show? <laughs> well, let me add, so. well, well, let me add this real, real quick about that. You could tell that it wasn't staged and that made it even more authentic and real and totally enjoyable because you could tell it wasn't staged. Oh, yeah. She was she was just in shock. And, you know, I guess more so just appreciative that that Stewart and Kirksman and crew would come back around and, and bring her on because she wasn't really a a main character. She was kind of a reoccurring guest character, but she wasn't like a main character. She was on the show a lot, but, you know, she was not on every episode. So just awesome to see they'd welcome her in. Yeah. So I Indeed. wonder if that would lead the door to Q coming back, too. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> I think we're going to see her and uh, we're going to see uh, Guinan and Q in season two. That's kind of Agreed. what I'm guessing. Agreed. You got to guess. I think, too, when you get Q, there's all types of possibilities to go to and fro in the uh, Star Trek universe. So, yeah, I'm ready for that. Absolutely, man. Can't wait. All right. And I guess we are ready to get into our review of Star Trek Picard Episode 1. Remembrance. At the end of the 24th century and 14 years after his retirement from Starfleet, Jean-Luc Picard is living a quiet life on his vineyard, Chateau Picard, when he is sought out by a mysterious woman, Dodge, in need of his help. He soon realizes that she may have a personal connection to his own past. So, guys, if you have not seen this episode, I (laughs) implore you to sign up for CBS All Access or however you can get it, you know. It's on uh, Amazon around the world. So, you know, if you watch it there, cool as well. But uh, if you have not seen it, guys, spoilers are ahead. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So we're going to go ahead and go around the table, around the horn and see what everyone thought of this episode. Just high level view of this new series focusing on Jean-Luc Picard. And I'm start with Jeremy, man. What did you think, dude? Um, I, Not being a what you would, I guess you would call a next generation fan so much. I really enjoyed it because I was able to not have to piggyback on the next generation and just be, be able to come in with like a fresh perspective of it. If that makes any sense. Nope. Like my expectations, my expectations were different because I've never really got into Star Trek, the next generation. And I really enjoyed it. Totally, hmm. man. Yeah. I definitely want to, as we dive into this, like hear your views on some of the ties that we have in this episode to some of the next generation stuff that may not have resonated with you. I just want to get like, your opinion, like, was it still entertaining? So, we, right, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then next, I'm going to go to Mr. Kyle Jones. Um, what did you think, man? Okay, so I would say I'm somewhere in the middle of probably where Jonathan would be as a diehard TNG fan. I enjoyed it, loved it, and I equally absolutely loved this episode. I know we're going to get into it more detail, but yes. Absolutely. A million percent. Loved it. <laughs> awesome sauce. And finally, last but not least, uh, Jonathan, what did you think of Remembrance? Well, um, here's where here's where I go. It was good. It was a good episode. Uh-oh. But this is the one time 
that I kind of was disappointed that I was part of this podcast. Let me tell you why. Interesting. Because I spent a massive amount of time researching and theorizing and expecting and going back and watching. And I built up to like there was no surprises left in this first episode for me. Really? Not really. No. I I think I oversaturated myself with Picard and TNG and all and I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was a good episode. I don't want to take anything away from it. It was a great episode. I liked the episode, but my expectations were kind of watered down by previous input. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm, I'm going to say the exact opposite from my view. I feel like even though I was amped up and you know, as researched as you could be, you know, there's no way you're not gonna, you're gonna know everything. I feel like there were still plenty of surprises in the way they orchestrated the story that I wasn't expecting. Uh, mm. a, a lot of great visuals and still, you know, my whole point, even coming from these countdown comics that we've been reviewing, those would lead you to believe the story was merely and solely surrounded around the, um, Hobbit Supernova. But I think what they're doing with data was a total shock and awesomely surprising. So So do you see, mind I if I that. ask so do you mind if I ask Jonathan a question before we move on? Sure, go for it. Cool. Cause I kind of have a speculation and I want to see how well my speculation is correct or incorrect. So Jonathan, my question to you after what you just said is what would you have liked to have seen that would have made your experience rather than enjoyable, but feeling that you oversaturated yourself, what would have made you feel differently if you would have seen it? Uh, Something not. So there was maybe one surprise in this that piqued my interest. Uh, But other than that, something that we just did not expect like a, but okay. So let me add this in. Uh, also, further reading, you Alex Kirkman, Kirksman, obviously, I can never say that right, uh, did say that the first three episodes is pretty much like the pilot of the show. Uh-huh. So not to really form a super huge opinion on just the first episode, the first three episodes will actually form the basis of the show. And it's like the pilot. So <laughs> I'm still hopeful. But what would have made me enjoy it more? Um, I guess a little more depth into the story oh. is what I was missing. Like it, it didn't, I thought it was, very I don't know. Deep. I thought it was very deep. Okay. Uh, so, so here's my theory. And I think in a way you answered what my speculation was. So I think maybe what you might've been missing was you were anticipating some of the feels that you would get of seeing Riker and Troy and, Maybe, well, we did see data, but maybe if some of what we're expected to see of, of seven of nine is coming in episode two or is episode three, maybe subconsciously in the back of your head, you were hoping to see all of that in the first episode. You didn't get it. And maybe it was a letdown of some. No, not at all. I actually didn't expect to see any of those. Ah, OK. And like from from all of the information that I've seen from trailers and 
uh, you know, blogs and other podcasts and just articles. Like, I, I just pretty much knew what the first episode was going to be. There was going to be this. I don't want to get too far in it. But, I mean, you pretty much knew. There was just one part we didn't really know. But I knew we were going to see Data in the first episode. And I've already, from the trailers, we already knew what that interaction would be. So that didn't surprise me. Okay, so here's my response to that. That's why you're called the Trek Storian. I rest my case. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely knew there would be some story around Data not being there, whether it was just, you know, Picard going to the holodeck to consult with them or something like that. I knew that it was going to tie into Data somehow, but I have to say I'm fairly um, comfortable or um, I, I love how they actually weave them into the greater story. And they did do a great job with it. I, I don't want to take anything away from what it was like. It was a great story. It was a great plot. It was a great premiere. It was great writing. It was great scenery, great se- action sequences. Well, with the exception of something, but we'll get to that. Um, but I mean, all of that was great. It's just I knew it already. Huh. Interesting. There was one surprise I've had. I had in the show that piqued my interest. And other than that, everything else I've already kind of assumed or we talked about previously. And even like to your point about the show being, you know, not feeling maybe as grand or you said this first three episodes may feel more like a pilot. I mean, even even um, uh, Patrick Stewart has said in interviews that this first episode, few episodes is going to be small. They're going to be mostly on Earth. But as the episodes go on, it's going to uh, grow and expand and then it's going to be all across the place, you know. So uh, excited to see that happen. But, you know, we'll we'll get there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it could stay on Earth for all of that. That's not even <laughs> a problem for me. I just I, I just I, like I say, I just I I guess I kind of just kind of knew, knew what to expect. And that was it. All right. Well, let's get into that title sequence. I bet you didn't expect that. Was it awesome? Was the music engaging and and struck a chord within you? Oh I, oh, I liked every every bit of it. I liked the musical tie-ins to the past and how that kind of bridged literally from one story to the next. So, I, hands down, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and and I feel like you know maybe like the show, it feels like this that opening sequence starts small. It starts on the vineyard, but then we get you know a vision of the Romulan exploding, we get a Borg cube. And then, and especially for this, is especially for Kyle, I feel like Star Trek music resonates to, with me the same way Doctor Who music resonates with you. Okay. Because I, I never get the feels that you and Lee have from Doctor Who to the same degree. But with Star Trek, it's something about it, man. When you hear those, those next generation. Uh, undertones oh, yeah. in the in the music. It's just like uh, I'm back there instantly, man. Oh yeah. No, I can see that, and 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 it's interesting how different things resonate. You know, I don't know, no, no, I'm going completely into another uh, genre here, but think about the fields that people get when you hear the Star Wars music, the intro to Star Wars. You know, you it, it has a resonance to you, so. I even though it was weird hearing how they started with blue skies as at the beginning, I thought that was kind of odd. But then I remembered, oh, wait, 
didn't they sing that in one of the uh, TV shows or the movies? And then I went yes. and looked it up and it was like, uh, and that just made it even better going back and hear it. And it's the second time. Yeah. Data, Data sung it at uh, Troy and Rocker's wedding. Right. And, was, and B4 was humming it a bit when, you know, the last of Nemesis. Exactly. That So that was like the first thing I picked up on. So it kind of threw me. So I guess that could be kind of a second surprise. So it kind of made me start theorizing on there's a possibility Data survived a little through B4. And they just don't know it yet. Yeah. So, well, just getting to that intro sequence. Um, what about what about the Enterprise D and 10 forward? What about the look of that? That it looks similar enough to be believable. So to me, it did. And I've, I've read a couple of reviews and some people have had issues because they said something was different. And I, I didn't see that. Like, and as a matter of fact, when you see the shit, which, again, awesome to see Enterprise D and HD, like and true HD, that was beautiful to be. So so when it started kind of panning in or zooming in, however you say it, toward those two windows, like I immediately thought 10 forward. And when it goes into the windows, I see 10 forward. I mean, with the exception of the bar, I, I mean, to me, that looks just like the same table that everybody said it in 10 forward on every episode of TNG that 10 forward was featured. So I didn't see a difference. Yeah. If, if I were to say one thing was different is maybe just the lighting was a little more bright than, you know, yeah, we had agreed. back in the days of the show. But but yeah, I, I thought it looked on point as well. And the reason I think of that was just because it was facing Mars, which was a bright red planet, you know? So usually in 10 Fort scenes, we get, they're usually in the middle of space. So there's no lighting coming in through the windows. It was a good balance of taking what we had seen before, balancing it out with what they're capable of doing it now, still being nostalgic, but giving us the scenery other than just like you just said, they're in the middle of space and we see a curtain with blue stars on the background. Right. Well, speaking of the look of things, um, I have to ask you guys, and well, I ask Jeremy in particular, like, what did you think of the look of data? Um, he doesn't look, he didn't look quite like I remembered him. He looked shinier. <laughs> if that makes any sense. He looked, he looked more robotic, I believe than he had, than, than the data I'm familiar with. Um, maybe they were just like a little bit heavy on the makeup or the fact that I was watching it on my phone didn't help. But, um, I mean, he was still looked like data, just maybe a little bit older than what I remember. Responder is 70. So, you know, <laughs> really 70. Yeah, wow. if I'm just, mm-hmm. yeah. He's 70. Yeah. 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 Wow. He was actually hesitant about doing this because he was worried about not being a realistic because of his age and his appearance now, they, and because data should never age anyway. Right. Like he was worried about how would they portray that. But I mean, that through CG and makeup, they kind of made it work. Yeah. And I say mostly it worked for me. I feel, I feel like that, um, the movies kind of prime you to get ready for the look and feel of, uh, of, of how it yeah. looks now. Because what do you, you know, I just went back and watched the, uh, uh, the Measure of a Man, the episode you suggested, John, that we watched. I went back and watched it again, and he looks way different there than he even looks in the movies. So if you yeah. if you've seen the movies recently, I mean, the look and feel of them now is not going to be too far off. No, and it, I think a lot of it is in the show. He just seems more 
I don't know if I say pasty, but like <laughs> you can tell it's artificial skin. You know what I mean? And the movies and then in this episode and remember it's it's more realistic looking skin. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I want to move away from this first part because I've got a lot to cover. But just a few other things I got from this first interaction. You know, we open with a classic game of them playing poker, uh, something we didn't really see Picard participate in with a, a lot. But he, he's playing with uh, Data, and Data is still pursuing this humanity that we've seen him pursue since the beginning of Next Generation. And Picard is calling his bluff, and, and they kind of end the conversation on, um, uh, I, I don't want the game to end. And that just, like, hit me. <laughs> it hit me. <laughs> yeah, that did. That did. That was, that, was, that was good, man. That was very good. So, and obviously you guys mentioned Mars and, you know, um, we saw the short trek. So that's a foreshadowing there to, you know, kind of what we're going to get a little later on in the episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that tie in, which I guess they mentioned a little bit of too, but I, I just wonder why he was dreaming that. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you're right. It was a dream and we see him wake up and. Chateau Picard, <laughs> uh, the, the Picard family vineyard. And uh, I think you just like saying it. Yeah, I do. You know, but I want the wine. I really want the wine. Makes you feel fancy. <laughs> we have to have the wine, man. We, I'm going to find it. It's expensive as heck, though. And they don't ship the Mississippi. Anyway, I digress. What do we think about the dog being named number one? Oh, I thought that was so funny. I like that. So you thought it was like comedy more than anything. Well, funny as in, I don't want to say, maybe not funny, but irony, or just cool. It was cute. Yeah, Yeah, cute. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I just, I thought it was heartwarming, touching. There you go. That's the perfect, that's the word, heartwarming. Because, you know, Picard never, is never really very emotional. He never really shows a lot of emotions. And you, I mean, you can feel how much he valued Riker and how much he considered Riker to be a value colleague, but I mean, by naming his dog number one, it kind of says, you know, he was a lot more than that. Yeah. Like you can almost see the relationship between Chakotay and uh, Janeway. Janeway. Sorry, I forgot her name. Ooh, blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's that same emotional bond between captain and first officer that was Picard and Riker. It just never was shown in the show. And I think that said it all there. Yeah. But again, here, here's here's where I have an issue. We knew I knew that already from we knew that from the trailers that his dog was going to be called number one. You seen they gave you a little Easter egg on one of the covers for the trailer. It has a dog tag said number one. So what we assumed was Riker was going to be dead and he named his dog number one. But then we see in another trailer he's talking to Riker. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of that was a to me, that could have been a point where they could have intrigued me a little bit. Like we never knew about the dog and then the dog come in a picture and he says number one. So now I'm like, oh, man, he named it number one. Where's Riker? What happened to Riker? You know what I mean? So, I mean, the fact that he, he's naming the dog number one, that means it's his friend, his ace, his homie. So, you know, I can see that. But I think it would have been it would have resonated a little bit more to me if they named it someone who who we knew were dead i mean kind of like we were thinking for number one in the first place that he wasn't gonna be in the show he might have been dead right. uh to me it would be more impactful it would even be more impactful impactful if they would have named it data you know to me but i agree anyway we are taken to boston where we get a very futuristic visual of the city which i totally love by the way 
It was he dodge and her partner, a Zaihean male. <laughs> What'd you guys yeah. think about the the tie-in to Discovery a little bit there? Oh po. Mina kinda haka daka po. Man, I hope I hope that goes further than just a Easter egg there. I kinda I hope that ties in. That'll be nice. I don't know how they would do it, but you know, at first I didn't I can I didn't realize like when I seen him, I was like that looks familiar. <laughs> and I know it's not been on any series in the past that we've seen. And I, and I kind of had to Google it. And then I was like, oh, sin, that's right. We'll go. Yeah. Cool. yeah, that was so great. That was so Man. great. Yeah, I thought he was a cool character. I didn't immediately, and I'll be honest, I didn't until you guys just said it and told it to me, get the connection. I did think something looked familiar about him, but. I didn't pick up on it, and I didn't do the research. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, for me, too, like, if anything, I was kind of upset that he got off to so quickly. Me, too. Like, yeah. like, oh, that's they're, they're the cutest little couple. Look at them. Pew! <laughs> you go. So cute, it was almost sickening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can get that. <laughs> Well, we learned that Dodge is, is, uh, gets into Daystrom Institute as a fellow in artificial intelligence and quantum consciousness. And, you know, like I just said, her man is killed and we get these three guys in black suits and helmets, uh, trying to capture and activate her. Okay. I kind of know, we kind of know where this goes later, but did, did that like immediately allude to anything else for you guys other than maybe possibly being an android or a sleeper cell or something like what did you guys think of that part so well, we just go, go ahead, ahead. No, no 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 go ahead well I just, I, I, at first i just thought it was like you said a sleeper cell like maybe she had some kind of brainwashing or something going on and if they somehow struck a chord or activated it somehow she would remember that she was a killer or something yeah 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 cool we see these guys speaking a language we don't know you know uh, yeah, and, and, you know, she, she get, beats them handily by herself. Yeah. Seems like a trope we see in a lot of movies. Like, how did I do this? Especially, yeah. a, lot of, especially a lot of animes. It's like, yeah. Powerful, yep. and I don't know why. Yep. We've definitely seen in TV shows too things of people thinking they're one thing and come out and turn out to be something else. So, yeah. yeah sometimes they just have to awaken or get a, uh, just break the glass. Yeah, break the glass. Yeah, it was just, and and then I kind of felt like it was going to be like a Ash. What's the guy from Discovery? Ash, you Ash, know, he was kind yeah. of a Ooh, unconscious man. sleeper. That you know would be I mean? crazy. <laughs> That's where I was going with it anyway. <laughs> and something funny is Dodge is she believes she's from Seattle. Yeah. And if we go back in Discovery season one, Ash Tyler also said he was from Seattle. Yes, you are. Wow, good call. Because he told that's what he told uh, Captain Lorca. Lorca, yeah. Well, I forgot him already. Captain Lorca. <laughs> wow, you are right. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. What's the fascination with Seattle? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm moving though. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah. So we are back in the vineyard, which I have to say is simply beautiful. And we see both Laris and Zaban, Shaban, which I think is a play on, you know, Michael Shaban, one of the writers. They, if you said it phonetically, it's like Shaban. Hmm. I didn't think about that. And, That's cool. Yeah. And they seem to be Picard's 
caretakers. They've been there for about 10 years, we kind of learned. Um, mm. Of course, you know, they talk about these bad dreams that Picard's been having. And uh, it seems like things are a flutter on the uh, Chateau Picard. So let's get into this interview <laughs> world that we have this internet interplanetary day of morning and Picard is to be interviewed. Uh, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this very tepid, reluctant Picard being interviewed for this day? Um, understandable, because I was actually a broadcast journalism major in college. So I know what sharks journalists can be. And especially if, you, if you've been, as I understand, just reserved about who you are your whole life, and then all of a sudden you're given a tell-all, you don't want to. You're very apprehensive about it because you're letting your guard down when your guard has been up your whole life. So I mean, it's very, it was very believable that he was not 100% willing to participate in this. What about you, John? Did I, I mean, didn't everybody kind of know what was going to happen? <laughs> like, I, 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 yeah. I felt like this is going to be bad. This is going to be very bad. But... I, I don't know. It, it's something about this interview that kind of irked me wrong. Hmm. I, don't know, I guess because they're picking on Picard. Don't pick mm. on Picard, man. See, see, I agree a million percent, Jonathan, with you. It irked me. And, you know, um, Jeremy, you're right that there are, you know, you've got that apprehension of sitting down doing an interview. But on the flip of that, I do know that there are uh, guidelines and, you know, these are the things you can ask. And if you are a certain level of celebrity, whether it be, you know, celebrity for celebrity's stake or celebrity in the Picard because he's known from Starfleet, you do have the right, I think, of setting the ground rules. And I think she totally sat down, agreed to them, but knowing from the get-go she was not going to adhere to them. And I think that's where you and I were feeling the same thing of don't pick on Picard. And why didn't someone stop it? Or why didn't Picard get up? So I felt like he wanted to fight it, though. Well, I mean, it looked like it was live streamed there. So how much could he actually do when you're... Get up and leave. Which he did. He wanted to fight it, but he was blindsided in a way that because they had mentioned they had agreed that, you know, these were the parameters of the interview. It wasn't going to touch on this. It wasn't going to touch on that. And then when she just bailed right out the gate, started yeah. talking about stuff they agreed to not talk about, he was dazed. He was blindsided. So, I mean, the only option at that point is to get up and walk away. But you have to get yourself back together to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I expect it's a reporter. Mm. Well, okay, let me disagree with you on that one because that was going to be my profession at one point. And I was not going to be one of those people because I can't stand it. That's why I hate the news now because there's too many of those people. Yeah, very true, very true. Yeah. Now, a good thing, they gave us a few Easter eggs in here, too. Uh, and I had to go back and re research it and look it up because I did see a quick glance of a picture you know, in the little screen beside them, they were kind of flashing by pictures. Mm -hmm. And I seen a flick, a quick flash of a clean on, which I thought was war. So I looked it up and it was indeed a, a, a steal of Worf and Picard when they were standing in clean on high council when he yeah. Picard became his arbiter. Mm -hmm. So the intro uh, bumper that they had for him, the flashback bumper for Picard was pretty freaking awesome. I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. So that. Uh, there was a lot of little photos in there. I don't, everybody can go look it up, though. There's like six or seven nice photos, just kind of a callback to the past. So that was cool to see. 
Okay, I'll I'll throw one at you. When he was standing in front of the mirror, straightening his tie, if you look at him when they're showing him from the mirror view in the background, there is a hat stand with a hat on it that kind of looks like it's resting on his head. And it's a similar hat to what he wore on the holodeck when he was the private eye that he used to do. Really? Oh, I, I missed that. Catch it. I think it was a lot of good information in this interview, you know. First of all, I have to say Picard's acting was freaking phenomenal in this. And I'm glad I'm I'm surprised that none of you guys brought up how well his acting was in this scene. Because he's always great. He is always great, but it was top notch, man. I was I was actually saving accolades for him for another scene that we'll get to later. Uh-huh. Okay, but I just thought when she asked that question that she was not supposed to ask about Starfleet. When he says the part, because it was no longer Starfleet, it just, I, I just thought the acting was, you know, peak, peak Patrick Stewart. So I really love that. Also, some more information we got from this. We heard, uh, they talked about Supernova, the massive relocation, Federation, uh, lending their resources and then having this tack of the synthetics on Mars and then the Federation pulling out completely. And for Picard, that goes against everything. Starfleet is. And at that point, he resigns his commission and goes to live on his vineyard. What's the name of the vineyard? Chateau <laughs> Picard. <laughs> Man, I mean, just think of the massive, uh, how massive this relocation is, though. 900 yeah. million Romulan citizens. He, he left the Enterprise to become the adm- admiral of this relocation fleet. That's the reason he left the Enterprise. And you think of like all he's given up for that, for this yeah. effort, and for it to be all for naught. Just, I can see how that can destroy a person. And so, did you get a sense that Starfleet was maybe not really a hundred percent for this? Or I kind of get that they they wanted to help, but they necessarily didn't want to do this. But because Picard pushed it, they went along with it. That's kind of what I got from this interview. That would seem so, in a sense. I, I feel like that they really were all about it. They were putting all these efforts. Of course, Mister LaForge, leading, uh, building the ships there at Plan- uh, Utopia Planitia, and they were all about helping these people. But when that fleet got destroyed and they really had no resources to contribute, they kind of just completely tucked tail and ran. Next, we see Picard is having a little one-on-one time with number one <laughs> and a this girl, Dodge, shows up. So what do we think about that first interaction? She she tell, tells Picard her story. Was he right to take her in and try to help her or that's just what Picard going to do? That's just what he does. See, I kind of, well, uh, I felt differently about that. I was like, that just doesn't seem like the little bit of a card that I do know that just doesn't seem like something he would do in like the past Picard, maybe not, but like in his older age and what he's been through. And I think it just kind of to the point, you know, so at, at by this point, we've kind of already heard bits and pieces of him. Not really like he's kind of feel like, kind of has the emotional state. Like he's over it. Like, like a show of his former self. Yeah. He's tired of this. Like, and I mean, he even says so as much when she said about the dreams, he said, the dreams are not the problem. It's the waking up that I have a problem with. Oh, right. So, I mean, at this point, a random girl walks up and he's like, I mean, your thought process is she's here to kill me or she here needs help or she wants to buy something or whatever. But, oh, well, like 
I'm here. I'm just going to deal with it because I'm Picard and I'll help people if they want to be helped. And if it turns out bad, it turns out bad. Hmm. So, all right. So, so I'm going to go from this perspective. I think he was just adding, you know, acting on instinct. And I just felt like when he stood up and was interacting with her, the instinct, his nature, his whatever you want to call it, kind of took over, took control. But, but in regards to Picard being kind of like a shell of his former self or something, the way I'm kind of looking, and I'm, this may be, you know, and there's no right or wrong answer here, but the way I'm kind of looking at this is like when we go to work, all of us, we are different than the people that are on this podcast today. I mean, we, we're a role that we're portraying in our work environment, whatever our role may be. What we saw in Star Trek, The Next Generation, and the subsequent Next Generation TNG movies was, for the most part, in my opinion, uh, you know, Admiral Picard or Captain Picard. This is about Picard, the man, the person. Interesting. So that's kind of how I'm approaching it is we're seeing this from not, you know, and they've made conscious effort in this first episode to let us know as a viewer, he's not Starfleet anymore. He's left Starfleet. This is Jean-Luc Picard. So much so that it's not whatever ship that they're going to eventually be on at some point in this series. It's about him, Picard. Yeah. So Yeah. And uh she tells him that she had a vision of him. Um, which, you know, if that doesn't get him on board, I don't think anything will. You know, this <laughs> this random girl has a oh, did you hear me lecture or something? You know. Did you see me on TV? No. Um <laughs> I'd I never seen you before. Never met you. Picard has another dream. This time, <laughs> Data painting a woman, and we can't see the woman's face. Now, we find that when he wakes from his dream, that this is a part of a two-set painting that Data has done or did in the past. Uh, and we take a trip to the Quantum Archive. Now, we go to the Quantum Archive, and we get a revelation of the other sister or companion piece to the painting that's hanging uh, in his office. And it's a painting that actually has Dodge's face on it. So we'll get into that. But first, like, what are our thoughts on the Quantum Archive and some of the trinkets we see there within? Oh, man. So this this was good for me. I have to rewind it back. So I guess it's something I don't understand. And maybe you guys can feel. So is the entire archive private for just him or is it just that particular ready room? I think so he just you, has you know, a room there. Right. Kind of like a storage unit. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because he doesn't say, like, my personal archive or my Enterprise archive. Like, he says, it's the Star Starfleet archive still just for me, basically. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But, I mean, he, he kind of makes it sound like the whole entire place is. But that wouldn't make sense. But Well, I mean... Like, just, just I like, didn't see anybody else walking around either. Yeah, I didn't either. But just like a museum, it has different sections <clears throat> that's focused on one particular thing. So I can definitely see there being a Picard section or of the archive that's just his stuff or stuff that's related to him. Uh, right. Which I, really doesn't make a lot of sense. This is all like kept in quantum stasis or whatever technology they're using. So I don't know. 
<laughs> look at it. Look hmm. at it like this: instead of a an archive or a museum, which in effect of what it is, imagine you take a museum and you take a uh, bank vault or direct deposit box, you know, that you right. have in a bank. Put them two together, and that's what we got. This safe is his box. safe deposit box. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, like some of the cool things we see there, we see the Picard Day banner, we see a bathlet, we see uh, a model of the Stargazer. And I didn't, I couldn't tell what the model of the other ship was. Maybe, did you guys know? There were two ships there. That is the well, Captain's the, Yacht, I thought. That, well, the, there was a yacht too, but it was also an Enterprise E model. I didn't see the E model. I don't remember seeing the yacht. Yeah, I think the yacht was the one closest to the door when he walked uh, in. And on the yeah, other side was right. the Stargazer. And then I didn't see the E in there anywhere. It could have been there. I just didn't see it. Ah, uh, okay. So it says the captain's yacht was, um, this was a detachable spacecraft that was part of the Enterprise E. Uh, I don't never ever remember seeing that actually. Mm, either. I'm to look I think I read somewhere that most of the ships were supposed to be equipped with one, but like Voyager, because I guess it was a smaller ship, didn't have one. Hmm. But there was always one there on the Enterprise that just never used it, never showed it. Wow. Hmm. Give me I, I really got, uh, so I got a lot of thought from that Picard Day <laughs> banner. So, and it kind of gives you a, a, a view into his current life now. Like, you know, he was completely against that Picard Day yes. on the ship. He was. When they hung that banner, because he just hated kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Understandable. And and now he has that hanging up, like that's important. And I think he's kind of goes back to you know when he's saying, "I didn't want the game." Then and we, you know, the last episode of TNG, sit down and play poker with everybody. And he kind of says, "Hey, we should have done this a long time ago." Like I think now he's kind of getting to the point, like he maybe missed out on some of those things. Yeah. Maybe regrets. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the things you do when you get a little bit older in your life. Uh, or so I've heard. I'm not there yet. I'm getting close. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of reflect on all the missed opportunities that you've had along the way, you know, and, and the way he was so he had to leave so unceremoniously from Starfleet, you know, that has to weigh on him a lot. So, yeah, but it's cool to see this whole archive, though, and these things from over the years that are time once again, tying us back to TNG and um, hopefully things that are sentimental to him as well. So we see Dodge is on the run. I never, well, I, they gave her a reason for leaving that she didn't <clears> want <throat> to endanger Picard, which why did she come in there in the first place? But she's on the run. Uh, she talks to her mother and to me, like the moment she talks to her mother, everything just falls apart because it's obviously a manipulation of some sort. Did you guys feel similarly about that? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm just curious as to who her mom has to play a bigger part in this. You would think, but uh, it also makes me think like how, how new is she? Like how long has she actually been who she is? You know, obviously these memories, you know, we're going to talk about later, but the memories are given to her by created her. So how long has she been who she is? And, you know, every time she's really, she thinks she's talking to her mother, it could be like, you know, (laughs) Somebody a hollow mm. projection or something, you know? Right. That makes sense. Hmm. Mm. And then what mm. gave I mean, her mom just like immediately spills the beans, basically. Yeah. Like you I mean, know that I didn't tell you about Picard. What what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and he said, Yes, you can't you did and blah blah blah. And you can find him. You have to go find him. And then she goes into this ultra fine CIA 
no matter where you are, I can track you down mode. Big brother to the max. With data-like movement. Oh. So that's Ooh. when I kind of put together Android when she started <laughs> doing that. Yeah. 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 For me, too. That's that's the point where the, the mystery of who she was was kind of gone. Like, okay, you got something to do with data from the painting, of course. Right. And you're an android. So, mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that was, like I said, that was my only surprise was, like, who is this girl? Yeah. And why can she do what she can do? And then they kind of, you kind of figure that out midway through. Yeah. Well, we're getting to the end here. Uh, uh, she figures it out, figures something out is wrong with her or she's different. And meanwhile, Picard has already figured the whole thing out of who she is. And, uh, he has this conversation with her on who she might be. Uh, you know, how did you track me down? How do you think you tracked me down? You know, so, um, uh, but then after Picard has that talk about who she may be, you know, even if she is Android, that, you know, the same argument he had for, again, we're talking about the measure of a man, the argument for Data being a a person or a sentient being. That episode is so r- relatable to what's happening in this episode because Picard makes the argument like what happens when there's 50 Datas? What happens when it's a race? Like, how do you treat these beings then? Sure. You know, I just I mean. I encourage everyone to go back and watch Measure of a Man. That is like Picard's argument. Yeah. Like you want to talk about great acting? <laughs> I know we've said that like a thousand times in the past. <laughs> but man, like that, like that tugged on the heartstrings there. Like that was like awesome moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and did and did any of you guys pick up? They made reference to Bruce Maddox in this episode as well. Oh yeah, we 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 yep. are going to get into that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get ahead of you. No, no. Yeah, they definitely made uh, reference to uh, Mr. Maddox, which, which we're going to talk about a little later. But uh, we get this chase scene, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, what do you think about uh, Jean-Luc Picard like running up the stairs? <laughs> so this is actually what I was talking about earlier when I was going to give props to, to Patrick Stewart because he acted like an old man. Well, he is an old man. But they, they didn't. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that they didn't do the, you know, he's running up the stairs, ready to fight. You know, when he made it to the top of the stairs, he had to stop and rest and catch his breath because that's just not who he is anymore. You and know, he probably really did. Like hey, I don't, I don't he probably did his probably... own stunt, so that would be real. <laughs> I was impressed for a seventy-nine-year-old man. I have to say, I was I mean, impressed. He, he's getting up there better than I probably could. You know, yeah. just even at peak health. Oh, I was told to just let him shoot me, man. Right. I can't I like, go up these stairs. <laughs> <laughs> like this is where it ends right here. <laughs> Either I'm gonna die by gunshot or I'm gonna die by exhaustion. <laughs> oh God. Oh man. Yeah, but so, I, I love seeing that whole sequence, man. Um, yeah, what, what do we think about the swing battle? You know, Dodge once again kicking butt. Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, that's, it, it's not speaking ill of this episode, but that's quickly becoming a standard fight sequence of one person all of a sudden becoming, and I, you know, and this isn't, yeah, superhuman and just kicking everyone's ass all over the place. I got hands. <laughs> So you know, here's my here's my biggest problem with this episode. I'm I'm a big fan of martial arts and fight sequences in shows. And once you point once I point this out, and like once it was pointed out to me, I notice it a lot and it makes it terrible. So when you have actors doing a fight scene, either they really know how to fight 
or they don't, and they have to make it look like that. So camera cuts, <laughs> right? So when they really know how to fight, you have something like, and even I don't know if they really knew how to fight, but when you had the, uh, uh, golly, Michelle Yao's fight scene on Discovery, mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. know, the camera didn't really cut away from it. You actually seen this fight going on. Yeah. Now whether she knows how to fight or not, it was very well choreographed where they didn't have to cut the camera. You seen the punch start to finish. You seen right. the, you know what I mean? Yeah. This episode, I mean the cut, the camera cuts, and on my third time watching this episode, like I took the time to just kind of watch how many camera cuts in one scene. And it's stupid. Like you're not seeing a fight at all. <laughs> yeah, I never realized that, and now every time I see, because I love a, I'm like you, yeah, I love a good fight scene. Right. But now that's what I'm going to be looking for whenever I see a fight. So scene. when, oh, and when you're into martial arts, you kind of look. When you see a fight, you're kind of looking for that technique sort of. You're looking for that execution. You're looking for the full range of motion. You're not just looking for the impact and the final final hit. You know what I mean? And that stands out to me, and that just made it for a bad fight scene. And Jonathan, just right now, forever and I, forever and from now on, you have changed the way I will watch TV. <laughs> oh, I, welcome to my life. <laughs> I cannot unhear that. This conversation, he points something out to me, and then I can't unsee it, and I want to With, throw something at him, but he's no, no, right. No, no. So. It, that is so cool, though, of what you're describing. I'm just saying that now I'll never be able to watch TV the same way again because now I'm going to be doing what you just said. But I still say it's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a telltale sign when the camera cuts a lot, the camera really fight. And, and honestly, like, we've been spoiled from the fighting in Discovery. I mean, right. it's, it's really good. No matter what you think of the show, uh, the fight, even the burn on fight sequences are really good in Discovery. So, yeah, you know. And I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of and other, so I'm going to go kind of sidetrack from fight sequences. There's two really, really great fight sequences that you should watch, and it kind of gives you a basis. And I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands of more out there, but there was one on, um, what's the show? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So when Quake is fighting this guy in like this lab. And it like the cameras in one station there. It's like one of the most awesome fight sequences in any show yeah. that you'll ever see. Uh, and then there's another one, Daredevil, uh, oh, going down the hallway. It, no, yeah. I know. There's I know, one yeah. in every season. There's yeah. Every so, season. yeah, the, the Daredevil fight scenes are amazing. And if you watch those and compare that to everything else, it kind of sucks. Yeah. I it, totally agree with you. If I can kind of throw my favorite in, now I'm thinking about it because I, I don't remember any many camera cuts. The church scene in Kingsman, the Secret Service. Yeah, Kingsman has some great fight scenes. That is probably one of, and actually, Family Guy did a really good parody of that scene, (laughs) which is really hilarious. Yes, don't judge me. (laughs) Don't judge. Those fight scenes in Family Guy are great. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, I'm just saying for this particular one, they did a really good mockery of it. The fight scene between Peter and the chicken. And the, actually, I hate those. But this is like Meg and Chris fighting all the students in the cafeteria. Interesting. But, I mean, the, the Kings of the Secret Service had probably, to me, one of the better fight scenes of any movie I've seen in a long, long time. So, so of course, we figure out that these uh, henchmen in black are Romulans. And right before they're fully taken out, one of them takes a suicide pill, an acid suicide pill and did he take a pill i think he like bit it and spit some of it on dodge <laughs> and the disruptor backfired when she tried i guess when she picked it up and tried to use it 
it went into a destruct uh, backfire mode and it blew her up. That part well, is that, a little confusing to me. So, I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better. So that was another problem I had because I was like, when did Romulans become venomous? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't see him take a peel of anything. I just see him dying and he just like spit on him. You know, that's what I was thinking too. And I was like, I didn't know that was a Romulan trait. Like, now, yeah. I I could be wrong. So no, no. I think you're right. I think he I did. Hope you're right. Something. That makes it more sense. It seems like I remember sense. biting down and then spitting out. Right. Well, see, I remember my thinking was like, is that an actual Romulan, or do they, or are they pretending to be? Are they ah, framing the Romulans? That's a good point. Or are they all Romulans? Maybe you know because we, they only has unmasked what one of them. Yeah, true. So true. maybe they're working in conjunction with other with other species, or or what have you. Yeah, I assume they were Romulans, but you know, uh, they all would be Romulans, excuse me. But who who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so we're gonna run, kind of. We'll, we'll keep you along. We're gonna try to run through the rest of this. So we're we're back at the chateau. Uh, so they tried to explain. Laris and Shaban tried to explain this what what happened because they didn't have anything on camera. So apparently, Dodge had a cloaking device, but Picard could see her. What? Because because Zaman stated that when they looked at the footage, all they saw was Picard running. They didn't see Dodge. So what I took that as is they're, they really think Picard is seeing things or something else happened. But, but they respect him so much, they're going to just come up with something that would explain it other than you're seeing things. Uh, see, I took it another direction. I took it as there's the cover up. And the reason mm, that yes. we only saw Picard was because whoever was trying to kill her, whether that was Federation connected or what, was just a whole bunch of, you know, it happened Federation people saying fake news, whatever. And, and, and that's what I thought at first. But I, I would have thought Picard would have gave that a little more pushback. And he didn't. He just kind of agreed with him and, and, and kept going. Hmm. Or did he? So, new mission. Find out who killed Dodge and why. <sighs> um, we go to Daystrom Institute in, what, Japan? <laughs> yeah. Okinawa. And uh, we speak to Dr. Gerardi. Allison Pill. She was, she was awesome in the newsroom, by the way. You should watch that show. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we get this whole backstory on what Maddox has been doing, the, the closure of the synthetics program, which kind of weird they call them synths instead of androids, but you know, it works. Um, <laughs> and just the viability of making a synth that was to the level of what data was, which that alone makes me think like we have synths that aren't as advanced as data. But they're able to go and bomb a whole fleet. Feels a little weird. Feels a little weird. But of course, you had plenty of androids on TOS. And well, do we know they're not advanced as data? I was. I would assume they aren't because the, the whole point. Because 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 Maddox has been pursuing to try to create a positronic brain that is as good as data's. And we have. We have Dodge and her sister that saying it it worked. But Gerardi said no. Well, of course she said no. Maddox didn't say, "Hey, I've worked, I figured it out, <laughs> yeah. and I'm but, sending them to kill people." But but but, but that's what they, that's what they were working on. She said specifically that the sense that attacked 
Mars were from the Institute. They were all from the Institute is what she said. That's probably what they led her to believe. So my, 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 my opinion is Maddox succeeded at creating a truly functional positronic brain and seems to be better than data. And either he has gone rogue and created a whole bunch and maybe framed the Daystrom Institute and said, hey, all of you guys did it. Or he created some positronic brains or androids that kind of took it upon themselves to create their own race. Interesting. And so because you kind of see that in an episode of I think it was Voyager where these artificial life forms are. You know, kidnap Bellana to build to fix something so they can build enough of themselves to eradicate all life. Yeah, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. So uh, I'm assuming Maddox succeeded. Like, so she, I mean, she all but says he did after Picard presents these little necklace and talks about this android. She kind of alludes to that he must have succeeded in doing it. <coughs> yeah. You always have to give pause when the foremost person of anything just disappears and hadn't been heard from for years. Right. <laughs> like, eh, mad scientist. And then all of a sudden, these two perfect androids are here. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Which I, I'm not sure I like the whole dyad thing or the, the fact that there's two, you know, oh, factor ironic cloning. There's always two. Yeah, that's a little yeah, too I was I was confused like that. Why does it have to be two? Right. <laughs> What's the purpose of two? Yeah, that, the science of that kind of didn't make sense. Yeah, let's not do another orphan black. <laughs> but but now, do we all do we should we believe that Dodge is dead? I mean, this is Android. I don't think that explosion would have killed Data. Oh yeah. Well, the way the way it looked, it kind of engulfed her. So I imagine. Oh yeah. There's it, not a. Mm, she's but gone. She teleport. She gone. Hmm. Teleport. No. Okay, so yeah, we're I, to I, us, clearance, I think she gone. We're, we're to assume <laughs> this is a more advanced than Data was. Right, but I mean, to how many kelvins of fire can advance survive? How many kelvins of fire can that little rifle put out? Teleport Probably more than what they can survive because it like she did. <laughs> so I, I have I have another theory on this whole thing, and maybe we can start getting into our theories now. Um, I think they're, uh, Maddox is using Borg technology as well. I really do. Cause you, go ahead. Hmm. Well, uh, well I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm I mean, interested it, in how you come to that. I, mean, I just feel like he's using something with nanoprobes because as to make something, okay, we're what 30 years later to make something that looks that human. I hmm. feel like an act that human. I feel like it would be an impossibility without some other tech. Though, if you were to believe what happens in Discovery, uh, um, uh, uh, Harry Mudd was able to make 50 <laughs> androids <laughs> that seemed very human. So, who knows? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, that now that I think about it, that, that scene where Dodge is being engulfed in flames and her skin is melting away, I, that could... Like I looked at that, like that's kind of weird way to disintegrate. It kind of looked like maybe could have been nanoprobes burning away. Mm-hmm. And also, Interesting. Didn't, didn't one of you guys have a lore theory? No, I know that wasn't me. Mm. I was thinking about lore, so unless you read my mind, but <laughs> so, I was thinking about him. So, so what was lore at the end of <clears throat> TNG? Wasn't he deactivated and put in, in a vault or dismantled? 
I don't think we actually really know. Oh, wasn't that lore? That was before it was okay. in the drawer. That was the one Daddy created. Lore? Nah, uh, Who's to say Maddox that. didn't use lore because he couldn't get data? Because you know there was an episode on TNG where lore like pretty much adopted this group of Borg. Yeah, yeah. And he led them on this revolutionary mission to create a new species of android, I guess. Or I don't know. I mean, Perhaps. that could be tied in somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, but it is true that lore was dismantled. Um, so, I mean, who, who's to say they didn't use lore for this? So, who knows? Hmm. So, let's get to the Romulan rec- reclamation site, a Borg. He's a Borg. The Borg Cube. Uh, <laughs> and we see Dr. Soji Asha, which is the other half or the twin to Dodge. Uh First, his thoughts on this whole scene, just being on the, the Romulans, being on this board cube, and maybe even any thoughts of who Narek might be. Hmm. So, number one, great CGI there. Like, well, that's the best I've seen in a board cube ever. Yes. Yes. I, I love the graphics and that. That was amazing. Um, What's his name? Lyrics? Uh, Narek. Narek. Yeah. So my initial thought, like when I looked at him, he kind of looked like uh, Spock. <laughs> really? Like he he looked like he could be related to Spock was my first thing. It, it, then, it, his look is like a lot uh, like the look of Spock maybe in, in Discovery this last season. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, I, then I kind of when he said something about his brother being so tragically lost, I started thinking about, uh, man, I had to go back and research it like. Is there a tie to Nero? And could that be? But I'm not real familiar with the movies as well, much. Nero's on the Kelvin timeline, isn't it? Right. But but he started, he was a part of the Romulan um, uh, uh, Hobus, you know, supernova. Yeah. He's, 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 he's a part of all that. And he got swept <laughs> in the past uh, while um, chasing Spock. <laughs> and again, like if you look at the comics, his ship was outfitted with Borg technology before he went on a search to kill Spock, you know? So I think it could be a tie in and that would be a really sweet tie in if it is. So could it be him? (laughs) Could it be Nero? No, no, (laughs) but definitely his brother. I I, I see that. All right, guys. Well, any other takeaways from this episode? We've, (laughs) we've taken our time to go through this whole thing. Uh, any other takeaway thoughts? I haven't, I don't even remember what the next stone trailer is about. I didn't even look at it. I don't think. Mm, I will add one other thing about the Borg. I don't think, well, either this is not part of the Borg collective or things have changed a lot between Starfleet and the Borg since we last saw Star Trek. Yeah. I want to know how they got their hands on that cube. That was the cube. My theory. That was the cube that. Have, you know, when Voyager gets home on the last episode, oh. there's there. Ooh. I thought they destroyed it. Well, I thought that kid was destroyed. You think it was destroyed, but they never showed it, like, dis- showed it disintegrated. Well, in the books, the follow-up books, they mentioned that it was destroyed. Did they? Yeah. I have to go back and read those. I don't remember that mention. Yeah, I think you're right, because I read the first one after the um, the end of Voyager. And, and, Jeremy, I think you're right there. But but if you look at what happened at the end of Voyager, like the Borg network, part of it was destroyed, the Borg conduit system. So it is right. likely that they could have gotten their hands on one. And since Seven of Nine is going to be in this season, 
it's possible that she could have helped them to get a hold of it. All yeah. right. Quite possible. Or Diane Way. Or you. Or you. You? Um, you. 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 We never knew what happened to you. Well, he's listed in the credits for coming up, so. Is he? Yeah. Oh, nice. I missed that somewhere. Oh, he's he's coming. He's coming. Yeah. Maybe he and Seven will have some lovely Borg babies. Oh, boy. Why can't they just be babies? They have to be Borg babies. <laughs> 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 Nanoprobes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, so one more thing I wanted to add real quick. Um when I saw the painting Data was painting, you know that's the same painting he did on one of the episodes of TNG. Really? Uh, like, I don't know if he was dreaming or it was a remembrance of his daughter. Like, after Law, which was his daughter, he created in TNG. They ended so badly. So, that kind of let me know then. I seen the kind of, that reminded me. She, so, Dodge kind of looked vaguely familiar to Law out of TNG. So, that's when I kind of put together Data's daughter. Interesting. Um, and there's an episode for that to watch. I don't know. I guess we'll post that somewhere. I have to find it again. Um. That's a pretty good episode to watch. But also, another quick theory. Um, so, you know, in that episode, Data says that he once Law died or stopped functioning, he transferred all of her experiences and memories to back to his own mind, his positronic yeah. brain. So Maddox knew that because also there's another episode in TNG called Data Day yep. where Data has agreed to Maddox with Maddox to kind of write him and tell him how a normal day in data's life goes and how he processes things and how he does handles things. So we know they, they spoke on a regular basis. Um, I'm pretty sure he Maddox knew that. So if he transferred laws consciousness to himself and he also transferred himself to B4, I could summarize that maybe Maddox pulled that information from B4 and made Dodge and her twin sister. That would be freaking phenomenal. I yeah, like it. it's kind of a reach, but I, I, I like it. Speaking of episodes, like episode one, the, the name of the episode, of course, was Remembrance. Episode two, the name, upcoming name, is going to be Maps and Legends. And episode three, the episode title is The End is the Beginning. So if that doesn't spark your interest, who knows? And as I said, Alex Kirkman said these first three episodes are like a big arch, like a pilot arc so i mean i think we're gonna hopefully it's gonna end in something grand here yeah one can only hope all right well guys i think we are ready to wrap it up uh we'll go around the horn uh if anybody has any closing thoughts they're free to speak but we'll go around the horn and just see what everybody's been working on podcast related or otherwise and we'll start with jeremy barrow um well i got a kindle for christmas from a good friend of mine so i actually have been doing some reading here lately when I'm glad to be able to get back into that because I read like several books at a time. So instead of having several carry several books at a time, they're all electronically stored. Just so, lazy, man. Just lazy. You know, you call it what you want. That's back how I'm in just my day. <laughs> <laughs> You actually had to flip pages. Well, when I'm at work and I need to slip off and read sometime, you know, it's, it's easier to read on a Kindle than to pull out three or four different paperbacks. Because the Lord knows if you worked. <laughs> That's another four-letter word. <laughs> Back in my day, you could feel the vast narada under your fingertips. <laughs> Page of Nixon Hill. <laughs> <laughs> K- 
Cal Jones, man, what have you been working on podcastly otherwise, man? Uh, speaking of the vast and errata, anyone who is a Doctor Who fan and watching Series 12 or any of the Doctor Who series or seasons, check us out at DiscussingWho.com. Yeah, and I think this next episode, guys, is tuned. going to be a whopper. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't been catching up on Doctor Who, man, you're missing out. But Yep. Uh, John, man, what have you been working on a podcast later otherwise, dude? Oh, man. So, um, inspire the youths. Uh, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I am working on a man cave to do my podcasting from. So, we'll have a better setup there and hopefully sound a lot better. So, that's one great thing I'll be working on. And number two, and I'm sure you're going to mention this, Clarence, I decided to actually start listening to the Relativity Podcast <laughs> uh, by Lee Shackelford. Um, and let me say, uh, Lee, you are amazing. <laughs> that is, listen, it's 10 minute episodes, which is also amazing. I, when I first seen it, I was like, uh, that's going to be weird. But I can't tell you how many nights I've pulled up in my driveway listening to that and just end up being stuck out there for 30 <laughs> minutes. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I can sit here for another six minutes and finish this episode. And then the next one, it finishes like, I got to listen to the next one. It's only eight minutes. <laughs> the next thing is 30 minutes. So, yes, awesome. And uh, our good friend Clarence plays Marcus, who is also awesome in there. Thank you, sir. Um, man, it, you just. Everyone should just take time out and listen to that. Like that, that I've never listened to an audio serial before, but it probably tops most actual TV shows I've watched. So, wow. kudos, Dude. kudos, Clarence, for your uh, voice acting, sir. That's very good. After I separated your voice from the <laughs> character about 20 episodes in. But. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm just on the show like Lee writes, produces, edits. It's all his, uh, it's his baby, and I'm just glad to be on it. And if you like hearing me on it, stay tuned because you may hear A. Cal Jones coming up. So stay tuned. So, so actually, I've have, heard a couple of Cal Jones in the background there a few times. Oh, cool. You, wow, you're listening like, like <laughs> equally or listening. But, 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 but let me add one other thing uh, to follow up on what you said about Clarence. And Clarence, you'll recognize this name that I'm about to give you. But you have some feedback from Eyes9 Olivia. And this is in regards to the current episode that just dropped this week of Relativity. She says, that was delightful. Well done, Clarence. Oh, Thank you. Oh, yeah. I get to talk a lot in this one, in this past one, which, you know, was a bit uncomfortable for me uh, for so many reasons. Uh, I won't get into the story, but <laughs> definitely check it out. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, appreciate that. Shout out, John. And for me, I'm just going to say, guys, uh, not to end on a downer, man, but one of my favorite basketball players, I like, I'm not going to say idolize because he was only like a year older than me, but you know, I was in high school. He was already in the NBA, you know. So, yeah, just one of my favorite basketball players passed away. So just uh, hearts and minds to his family uh, and, and his wife and his other three kids, I believe. So Indeed. Yeah, because he and his daughter actually died in the, in a helicopter crash. So not to end on a downer, but, you know, just 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 uh, hearts and minds. And yeah. Yeah. So 
Guys, we are ramping up for this next episode of Star Trek Picard Maps and Legends. Please leave feedback wherever you're listening. Uh, leave us a line on any of the social medias at Discussing Trek and just hit us up. Any thoughts that you have about this episode, we love to hear. We love the feedback. And as always, we thank you for being along for the ride. And yeah, until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people A woman on Earth And a man in space Struggling to remain connected To help one another through life and death situations Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos Is the sound of each other's voices Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com Hello, Discussing that word.